0: Today's episode is dedicated to Cameron Boyce, a 20-year-old actor who suddenly passed away late last week. I didn't know him personally, but I was aware of who he was as an entertainer and through others how that translated into real life. Cameron's grandmother, Joanne Boyce, in 1956, one year before the Little Rock Nine, was a part of a group of children referred to as the Clinton Twelve which made headlines for becoming the first group of black students to attend Clinton High School in Tennessee. Cameron was an activist and an all-around beautiful human being. Not only did Cameron have talent beyond only part of which the world saw, but he brought immeasurable joy and genuine joy and love to a lot of people. Rest in power, King. Last week, Disney announced some preliminary casting for its next live action animated movie, The Little Mermaid. While the excitement wasn't the same as Osei, The Lion King. Shout out to all those people who broke their VHS tapes over watching that joint. There was still a lot of buzz. Nothing like embracing nostalgia and getting the chance to see a classic story in a different way. But how different is too different? Is there such a thing as too different? Yes, says some members of White America, casting Halle Bailey as Ariel. Hallie can sing, she can act, she has a good sense of comedic timing and dramatic sensibility, all things that are perfect for the quirky, confident, and curious mermaid. But there is a considerable amount of backlash over this, not because of her lack of talent, but because Hallie is black. to another episode of meanwhile on the farm i think we're on number five right that's a whole hand i'm excited about that um i'm your host corey i'm actually coming to you from a closet in fort worth texas (laughs) so i cannot be stopped uh meanwhile on the farm is a podcast dedicated to getting back to the subject at hand each episode, I find a story or situation or issue and explore it at the intersection of race. I take that story, situation or issue, I unpack it and then I offer you some plausible and practical solutions on how you can actively get involved. Then after I talk about that, I bring up an individual or a group of individuals who are actively doing some good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, y'all, I went to Essence Fest for the first time last weekend and it was amazing. Listen, I know I grew up like right down the street in Baton Rouge, but I never went down to Essence Fest. So this was a first for me. But the amount of resources and talent presented by and geared towards Black people was amazing. I think one of the most solid moments for me um, was seeing more people show up to hear Michelle Obama speak than hearing Missy Elliott perform. Now, I love Missy. Like, we run this, pass that dud, so get your freak on. But it was a clear indication as to where Black people's priorities um, were shifting. So that was pretty cool. Former first lady aside, just an all-around honest, real, and intelligent chick, Michelle Obama. Um, so get into it. Okay, so today's episode is about a black Halle Bailey being cast as a usually white Ariel for Disney's live-action, The Little Mermaid. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's leak you dream about going up there but that is a big mistake just look at the world around you right here on the ocean floor such wonderful things around you what more is you looking for all right a- before we start digging let me say this it's a damn mermaid y'all okay for those of you who don't know Halle Bailey she is not the twin of Halle Berry confusing right Halle Berry actually tweeted Halle Bailey when the news first came out saying Halle's get it done. <laughs> so that was cute um, Halle Bailey is a child actor who was born in the 2000s. Oh Wow Sorry guys, I think for the first time I just realized that I could be somebody's father who's not a kid like who's a, She's an adult. She could be my child like all the way Wow, okay, I'm back um, That almost took me out whoo Okay, uh, she was born in the 2000s and has appeared in TV and film. Currently, she's starring in Grownish on ABC, which is a spinoff of Blackish, and her and her sister Chloe have a singing group together called Hallie and Chloe. She was born in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's a brief, very brief history on Hallie. When it was announced that a black girl will be playing a first introduced as white princess, people took to Twitter so fast. Whites and blacks started trending. Hashtag not my Ariel. Here's the thing. This is more than just about Disney pulling an old switcheroo on the skin tone of a made-up creature who was originally green in the first place. That kind of makes me wonder if there's a group of Martians tweeting, not my Ariel, too. Probably. This is about expanding a territory for people of color. And here's what I mean. People of color usually play the sassy nurse or the funny sidekick that always says, damn. Ask me how I know. I've done two roles of That was literally my line. And you know exactly how they wanted me to say it. And I have to be honest and say that things are finally starting to change in that regard, i.e. Hallie being cast. But things are just starting to change. This is new. And Halle being cast is a huge thing. This is a big deal. And to understand why it's a big deal, we got a flashback Friday to this thing to the way back, way back when entertainment was different. Speaking specifically about the TV and film medium, whites dominated the industry. From the top to the actors, whites were everywhere. Television got its start in the late 1920s and film in the 1890s. Hollywood, because of the discrimination, tried their damnedest not to have blacks on the screen. In the 19th century, something called blackface was popular. For those members of the audience who don't know what blackface is, it is what it sounds like. It started off with white performers using burnt cork and later grease paint and black shoe polish to blacken their skin and exaggerate their lips and a lot of times they wear woolly wigs, gloves, tailcoats, or ragged clothes to complete the transformation, their image of what black people were and looked like. By the 1930s, blackface was so associated with racism that the art form, if you can call it that, died out. Now, it wasn't only white people in blackface. Black people were in blackface as well. One touch black actor, Clarence Muse, actually didn't mind black people doing blackface. Clarence, who self-published a pamphlet entitled, The Dilemma of the Negro Actor, had a theory at least it's putting blacks center stage. In his mind, it was paving the way, so to speak. So here we have black people making fun of black people and that's the only way they can get roles. Sounds great. Back then, when you did see blacks on screen, they typically fell in one of three categories, a tale of rags to riches, thug life, or segregation. Uh, I wanna go on record and say that a white person can be a thug. A more modern day look at that is sidekicks, the maids, and the nurses. Researchers argue that this is because of whites' attitudes toward minorities, so whites would explore their depth of range because in their eyes they were human and had depth, and blacks, well, didn't. In other words, whites took their perception of black people and minorities and translated it to the screen, and blacks perpetuated these antics because at least it's getting me in the spotlight. Alright, enough of that. That day is over. You can't act the same way in the palace as you did on the street. And that's not a plea to erase who you are. It's a mandate to honor who you are. And that is a child of kings and queens and deep culture. Now, before I start popping off, (laughs) I'll move on. Even after Black Scott Center Stage, the roles given to Black actors followed old stereotypes. There was the Tom, who was someone who served white people. The Coon, who acted goofy, like a clown, or naive. Then there was the Tragic Mulatto, who was someone trying to quote pass for being white, not always literally, but even in the way he or she approached his or her story. The Mammy, who was seen as asexual. She helped to raise the young and help families. And the Buck, who was often a male, who was hypersexualized and seen as a threat. Producing films in that way is what leads to a singular perspective and opinion, in this case, white people's opinion, to dominate mainstream media. The reason why blacks are usually the sidekicks, the maids, and the nurses is because that's the only way we're allowed to be in entertainment. The thing about that is we can be lawyers and doctors and poets and shipmates and assassins and yes, even mermaids. Something that you may not know is that um, major networks have these things called diversity showcases. It's this once a year thing where they have actors and writers audition for comparatively A Small amount of slots with the hopes of writing for the writers and performing in for the actors this live show for decision-makers Mostly white which could lead to other auditions and meetings, which could hopefully lead to jobs There's no guarantee that performing in the show though will get you any meetings at all. It's a milder form of the Hunger Games (laughs) now Notice I said diversity showcase Not people of color So, if I were a gay white man, I could be selected. Diversity. If I were a white woman and not able-bodied, I could be selected. Diversity. In other words, these networks just lump them all in together like misfit toys. And there's this one network, I won't say uh, any names what that network is, that wants you to kind of make fun of your marginalized group. Like, do it with an African accent. It'll be funnier. In my opinion, that's called a modern-day menstrual show <laughs> and the reason why these showcases exist is to get more diversity onto the TV screen how about just I don't know bringing minorities into the room and hiring us if we perform well I don't know how about you stop seeing every lead is white unless it specifically has something to do with color how about people of color telling their own stories black writers rooms so In the case of these showcases, there is a very, 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 very slim chance that you will make it into either one of those rooms as a person of color because you're still collected in there with whites. I heard a white person in the entertainment industry say, I can't get any jobs because black people are taking them all. Actual words, I shit you not. Okay, that was my cuss for the episode. I talk about this a little later, but for now, if you're white and you've said that, I'll tell you what you told us. (laughs) Your time is coming Just be patient and keep putting in the work And sooner or later someone will recognize your talent I've been in the industry for a while And I've heard more than once lately that my type is in And what they mean is my skin color Now I wasn't aware that my skin color was a fad Or something that can be in Like flare jeans or puka shell necklaces In casting sessions I have been asked to be more black I've been called the non-threatening black guy and if I do make it to set, I get into hair and makeup and the makeup artist. Not all of them. Um, they don't have my color palette, so I have to bring my own makeup. Um, the hairstylist just looks at me and says, Oh, what you did there is good without even touching my hair. Shout out to the hairstylist who was able to snatch my hair into a bun when I worked for Masterclass. Um, I appreciate you. <laughs> they got mousses and jails, but they do not have custards or puddings. Or soufflés. Sounds like I'm trying to eat my hair, right? <laughs> A coconut oil, a curl activator, or a detangler, or butter, or any other ethnic hair products. So even arriving for people of color is hard. Getting in front of people hoping and praying for something is hard. So when we get an opportunity to be a mythical creature, it's a good thing. We're fighting through mindsets and people that want us to tap dance for them. They want us to dumb ourselves down. Here, you have Tiana, so go sit down somewhere. Now, I'm going to propose something really crazy here, and I'm talking about all those people who are hashtagging, not my Ariel. What if this go around it, this is actually kind of crazy. And I'm not even sure why I'm suggesting this because it's that crazy. But you know what people, um, what if this go round it wasn't about you? Hmm? What if it was about all the little black girls who needed to see herself? What if it was about the dad who never imagined that his little girl would have two princesses of color to look up to? What if, just go with me here, what if it were about providing an opportunity for millions and millions of people to break stereotypes and normalize a hopeful narrative? What if that? From the start of the entertainment industry, the fight has been on. While a lot has changed, Hollywood is just now getting to the point of really tapping into black talent, and blacks are getting to ownership and more representation. Do you know the difference there? It's not just about being seen on the screen now. It's about owning the narrative and how that narrative gets projected. It's about being in the driver's seat. Other groups that are also marginalized when it comes to entertainment are the Latinx community and Asians. But there's still a long way to go. That's awful. That's just awful. Well, at least things are different now. Not so fast. The Help. The Butler. Green Book. 12 Years a Slave. According to Thought. Dot co today we have five stereotypical roles where blacks fit we got the magical negro the green mile morgan friedman has played in some roles and will smith played a magical negro in the legend of bagger vance the black best friend where the black person gives the sage advice to the white friend they don't have anything going on in their lives other than to listen to the woes of their white leads and do what take care of and nurture sounds like a mammy role to me in the film, The Devil Was Prada, for example, actress Tracy Toms plays uh, friend to star Anne Hathaway, reminding Hathaway's character that she's losing touch with her values. Also, actress Aisha Tyler played friend to Jennifer Love Hewitt on The Ghost Whisperer. And Lisa Nicole Carson played friend to Calista Flockhart on Ally McBill. Then we got every white person's favorite, the thug. You ain't gotta go too far. To find roles where black people play pimps and drug dealers and con artists and whatever other crime I'm going to state the obvious and say that this fuels the stereotype that black men are dangerous. I Don't even have to name movies and characters for that one. <laughs> you probably watch one this week uh, Then we got the brash woman black women who are sassy neck-rolling harpies with major attitude problems ha- hashtag real housewives of Atlanta hashtag basketball wives and people love it. They buy into it. I'm not going to lie. I've watched Rural Housewives of Atlanta because that's what you go and you expect. The Domestic. Now, Latinx entertainers fall into this one as well. But it's when you have black people serving. Now, hold your movie ticket there, Corey. Now, I saw The Help, and it was all about those black maids. Octavia even won that year. Okay, first of all, everybody was a maid. Okay, start there. But what purpose did the maids serve in that movie? I'll tell you elevating the life of the white protagonist. Meanwhile, they quitting their jobs and shitting in pies. The very first black person to win an Academy Award was Hattie McDaniel in 1940. Her role, a maid. Question, what do whites typically stereotype themselves into? Answer, anything they want. There are 12 archetypes in the industry. Now, an archetype is a fancy word for a typical character. They are the sage, innocent, explorer, ruler, creator, Caregiver magician hero outlaw lover jester and a regular person People of color can be sages they can be innocent They can be rulers Creators y'all Caregivers beyond just mammy shucking and jiving out in the yard They can be the magicians and the intelligent ones People of color can be heroes. They can be outlaws like Robin Hood types They can most definitely be lovers. We can be jesters and we can be regular people. When you say things like Ariel can't be black, you're giving us a commentary on your lack of creativity and your desire to limit growth for people of color. There's no other way to say that. I don't care what color you are. Black, white, green, purple, brown, yellow, orange. If that is what your thought process is, you're communicating that you don't have any creativity and that your desire to limit growth for people of color is alive and well. Here's a not so fun fact. Since the first Academy Awards in 1929, there have been over 3,000 awards given. Of those, and this includes 2019, only 36 have gone to blacks. This is the Oscars I'm talking about here. 36 out of 3,000, 0.021% of black people garnered the award. So, what do you know about it? Now, I'm gonna be honest, I have an irrational fear. That fear is I'm afraid that white people with the influx of people of color over the recent years being highlighted in Hollywood, I'm afraid that white people are going to say, okay, that's enough. You don't have your time. Get back in there. Like I'm legit afraid of that. And it's because (laughs) of being in a specific place for so long. It's almost like PTSD, you know? Like, you you start to expect certain things to happen, even though there may be no indication of that happening. That was just a moment of vulnerability on my part. Here's a quote from the New York Times. Race in American cinema has rarely been a matter of simple step-by-step progress. It has more often proceeded in fits and starts, with backlashes coming on the heels of breakthroughs and periods of intense argument followed by uncomfortable silence that is still true. <laughs> I should remind the world that Kiki Palmer played Cinderella on Broadway and Brandy also played Cinderella in that version where her mom was white and one of her sisters was white and the other one was black and she fell in love with a prince who was Filipino with a black mom and a white dad and guess what the kids were fine. And I want to talk about Black Panther Black Panther was amazing. Black Panther was introduced in 1966, and it took 52 years for him to come into public life. But within a span of five years 2002, 2004, and 2007 there were three Spider Man movies. Just saying. All played by a white dudes. <laughs> there have been a total of six superhero movies featuring black superheroes, and that includes Black Panther. Of that six, two were comedies. One was low budget, one had other superheroes in it, Avengers Endgame, which I still haven't seen, save your judgment for your mama, and one was introduced in 1977, his name was Abar, who was that, exactly, (laughs) the reason why Black Panther was what it was for black people because of what went into it and what came out of it, Wakanda was what it was because black people were in a position of power and a set of roles that were usually reserved for white people, Marvel did something right with Black Panther, there was a budget, there was a great acting, there was great costume, everybody was black, there was even a black director and black writers. Now Stan Lee is the man because he and Jack Kirby left a great blueprint for these writers. Nonetheless there was a lot of black involvement to the core and black people showed up. The movie grossed over 1.3 billion dollars. Opening weekend it was 202 billion dollars. Now I'm not saying all that came from black people. Still it was a, a big deal and Little boys and girls had a superhero costume that they could wear. They saw themselves and that did something to boost their confidence and their sense of self-awareness. So let's jump back to Madame Halley in her new role. Disney made 49 films between 1937 and 2009, and it wasn't until then, 2009, that their first black princess showed up. (laughs) I hit that word real hard, black. So here we have black girls for over 70 years not seeing a representation of themselves. And while Tiana was a frog for most of the Durham movie, there was still some blackity-black-black-blackness there. Like, finally, a little black human could see themselves and say, hey, I can be that. So, to all these hashtag-not-my-Ariel people, you're right. She's not your Ariel. She's someone else's. She's for some child or adult, I don't know your life, who's looking for some hope. I have to applaud Disney for this. They're actually putting some effort into normalizing things and this isn't about diversity anymore. We're past that It's about making it normal and casting Hallie as a mermaid a mermaid that was green then white and now black is a perfect way to contribute to this and While there are people who are chanting if you want more black princesses then create them Well, that's exactly what they're doing They are handing a narrative that once belonged to a white person for no reason (laughs) and they're passing it down But they're stealing it away from us. Okay, y'all getting on my nerves. Hear this, now lean in. I'm not saying take jobs away from white people. I'm saying change that shit up a bit. Now I know that was a cuss word, but it was the same one that I used before, so it only counts as one. I have to admit, as a writer, I've had to train my brain not to see white characters every time in my story. I used to have to make a conscious effort to not see the characters I was writing as white. And now, I long for the day when I can trust casting directors and trust producers and trust the directors enough to not have to list the ethnicity of a character unless that character's race has something to do with the storyline. A black James Bond? Why the hell not? A black Superman? Bring on the kryptonite. Like it's possible. Hollywood just has to be willing. But here's something interesting. More and more people of color are owning things. It's shifting. And you can hold on to your ideas and your inferior mindset. Yes, I call them inferior because they aren't conducive to growth or positive change but you're gonna get run over. I might have a few people who are still interested in the, but Ariel was white narrative thing. Fine, fine, fine. This section is for you. This is a list of white people playing roles of color. What? Yep, that's just what I said. Angelina Jolie, who has no African descent, played an Afro-Cuban. Y'all were fine. Ben Affleck, who is not Latino, played Antonio J. Mendez. Y'all were fine. Joseph Fiennes, who was a white middle-class guy from London, played Michael Jackson. Y'all were confused, but y'all were fine. Mickey Rooney, who is not Japanese, played Mr. Yunioshi. Y'all didn't care. The three leads in The Last Airbender, all white, but they were playing Asian and Native Americans. Y'all were fine. Laurence Olivier, white as wall, painted his skin to play a fellow. Man ain't not marry an African or Arab root. Y'all were fine. Natalie Wood, y'all gave that Russian the role of Maria in West Side Story. But y'all were fine. Johnny Depp, who's white but told Entertainment Weekly that he had some Native American somewhere down the line, was white and played Tonto, a Native American warrior. Corey, we get it. No, you don't. Catherine Hepburn is not Chinese or of Asian descent, but she played Jade, a Chinese woman living in China. Y'all were fine. Now, some of y'all think I might be mad right now because I brought her up. I like Catherine. (laughs) A lot. But this is not about that. Elizabeth Taylor played Cleopatra. Now, Cleopatra had some African roots, so it's likely that her skin wasn't fair. Elizabeth Taylor's skin, however, was fair. Y'all were fine. Jim Sturgis. He's white and British and required a dialect coach to tackle his role as an American-Chinese Ben Campbell. Ben Campbell is a person that actually existed. Y'all were fine. Jennifer Connelly, who is of mixed European descent with no Latin American roots, played a Latina. Y'all were fine. White John Wayne played an Asian Genghis Khan. Y'all were fine. Jake Gyllenhaal, white, played an Iranian prince. Y'all were fine. Meryl Streep, oh, don't come from Meryl Streep. She's white, she took a role as a Latina. She is not, with Latin American descent, which she does not possess. But y'all were fine. I could go on because there are literally over a hundred examples of white people playing roles that were based on characters that were actually from a specific part of the world. Oh my gosh, it took everything in me not to sing that. (laughs) But y'all were fine. And now we have this girl getting ready to play a fictional character, and now y'all wanna be mad? In the other live action Disney movies made, Maleficent, white. Cinderella, white. Jungle Book, they're animals, so people don't care. Beauty and the Beast, white. Christopher Robin, white. Mary Poppins, white. Yes, Lin-Manuel was in it, but white people were happy with that because he had just bought them slash us Hamilton. Also, he kind of looks white. Dumbo, part white, part elephant. Aladdin, approved non-white. And let's be honest, if they cast him as white, there would have been riots and pandemonium. But the director, white. Lion King, y'all know better. But the director, white. Mulan, see my previous response. Not sure about the director. Tink, white. Now listen, I'm not saying anything about the actresses themselves. What we're talking about is, hey, let's bring another person in who could do this. Disney will never ever have a black Cinderella floating around the Magic Kingdom. Why? Because in the cartoon, she's white. And it's their idea that kids want to see what they saw. Apparently it ruins the magic. Mommy, that's not Cinderella. Cinderella has light skin. She has dark skin. So the only princesses of color you will ever see on Disney's grounds are Mulan. Kind of Tiana. Definitely Jasmine most times and possibly Pocahontas. The argument here is that it's possibly interrupting a child's idea of what reality is and being able to uh, rest securely in that representation. Good. I'm glad it would interrupt that child's idea of what reality is. Going back to the little baby girl bringing up the idea of Cinderella and her dark skin, a good response should already be in place. Yeah, do you remember how I told you that Cinderella can be light skinned or dark skinned? This is one of those times when she's dark skinned. Ugh, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. Imagine trying to get free for hundreds of years. For the people in the back munching on popcorn talking about, then let's cast Tiana as white. You're a part of the problem and the reason for me even starting this podcast, okay? It's not about tit-for-tat. Tit-for-tat isn't motivated by change or heart or passion. It's motivated by obligation. The market has expanded significantly for blacks and for other people of color, but the work isn't done. It's not like, okay, now that y'all got out of y'all systems, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programs. Is that all white with you? No, it's about a perpetuation. People of color are not interested in massages to heal a broken bone. Having more of us out there is a start, but it's not over. This is not some game of race representation trading cards. Okay, fine, we'll give you an Ariel, so you give us a Mufasa and a Tiana. Goodbye, and in this case, when you're saying to Disney, you're ruining the classic. What you're actually saying is, I wanna hold on to my antiquated idea of what things should look like to serve me. That sounds a lot like white perspective on slavery. Why you got to take everything back to the end? Because y'all do. Subconsciously, y'all do. And black people can have that same perspective too. So can members of the Latinx community. And if you were a true Ariel fan, you would know that Ariel had a whole black mer friend who actually spoke in sign language. And I still hear people talking about, true story, then make a black mermaid a side character. Which is clear evidence that the sidekick syndrome against which blacks have fought still exists. Freeform is a TV network that's a little forward. It calls Disney's decision inspired casting. I have to agree. I want you to listen to uh, Hallie sing. I've been down on the regular. I've seen things with my retina. These old days, I don't feel that much. Not bad, right? Like, I'm feeling it, for real. And the sad thing is this girl, like she's young, who's gotten an opportunity of a lifetime, has been maybe not directly, but definitely directly in front of her, put down by a racist perspective over something about which race shouldn't even be an issue. Ariel is a mermaid. She's a freaking... She's a mermaid. <laughs> the girl can't even enjoy the shit. And what's crazy is that she's had to have... Other groundbreakers of color surround her and protect her. Candace Patton, who was Iris West, Zendaya, who was MJ, Anna Diop, who was Starfire. They jumped in to protect her because they had been through what she is going through. And people are going on and basically telling her that she's unfit because she's pigmented. It's selfish. Like, what does it hurt? Well, what harm is this causing? What cultural appropriation rules is this breaking? Shut up and stop telling black girls you can't be this and you can't be that unless that this or that is defeated in less than. You're holding on to your own selfish idea, and really it is an idea, of something that isn't even yours to claim. Sat down. The thing is, the white actors that I mentioned before, they were people. And they were meant to be another color. On this side of things, we have a half human, where color doesn't matter, mattering because people are making it matter also black people do have red hair so here's what you could do stop being a racist bigot that's all i got (laughs) no i'm just kidding not about the stop being a racist bigot thing i i meant that 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 should be canceled immediately with no syndication i need you to question your beliefs about why white is the default even male or straight or able-bodied these reactions are reflective of our beliefs and i had to figure out why that was my default especially as an artist and a creator but seriously though here are some things that you can do number one when the little mermaid comes out go see it take your family to go see it and when you go see it teach your kids about how there are black aerials and white aerials and latinx aerials two there's a new show on netflix um produced by tia maury about a black family with an all black cast and an all black writer's room. This one has given us like 90s black sitcom vibes because the showrunner worked on uh, Family Matters and it stars Loretta Devine. Um, give it a look. I'm not saying that you have to like it, but check it out. Number three, this one is gonna take a while to do, um, but some of you who follow me on Instagram, my personal account, saw that I posted about a film written by Lena Waith and directed by Melina, Matsukas Lena and Melina had a private showing of the first 12 minutes of this movie. Uh, I'm mad because I have to wait to see the second half of it or not second half of it but the rest of it but y'all this film is going to change entertainment narratives and open the doors for a lot of different types of story. It comes out Thanksgiving day so eat your turkey and go see the movie November 27th. I'm not sure the rating but support it. The name of it is Queen and Slim. Number four. This is to all the creators out there. The ones who are building and linking Legos, okay? Don't give a person a job just because he or she is black. Consider them despite the fact that he or she is black or Latinx or Asian or any other group that, quote, shouldn't be there. If it doesn't affect the story, open up that door. Stop being lazy and open up the door. Number five, to all my people of color, start making stuff for yourself. I'm not saying exclude others. I'm saying include you. Include you and own your stuff. You don't need to wait on someone else. There's something that you can do right now to control the narrative that's being propagated by narrow-minded individuals. And if you're a person of color or even a person of non-color and are not a creative, support. Support with finances, connections, show up to things, support with introductions. Now listen, don't just be throwing any old thing up in there and then saying, oh, well, I'm black and this is all I got. I did it. No, also refine your craft. Make it clean, make it tight, and make yourself unignorable. Also, on the Instagram, there will be some uh, other arts programs geared towards underserved communities, along with ways you can get involved. If you're mad, you gotta do something about it. If you care, you gotta do something about it. And now it's time for some good stuff I like that. This story is actually pretty interesting. Um, It happened in Warrington, Virginia. There was an anti-Muslim hate organization holding an event to bash American Muslims who run for office. Kwasim Rashid, who is an American Muslim running for Virginia Senate, is the one who tweeted about this particular story. Um, He says he has dedicated his life to uniting Christians, Jews, Muslims, atheists, to uphold justice. So what he did was he decided to show up. And Qasim is running to improve Virginia's abysmal 41st ranked infrastructure. So he was hoping to gain some votes and get some supporters. Well, for starters, the hate speaker was late. The hate group had five to seven supporters that showed up. But then 50 to 60 Christians, Jews, and non believers showed up in support and solidarity with the American Muslim community. Um, They were holding up signs, condemning bigotry and embracing pluralism. And before he knew it, they were embracing him. Then it got better. Remember that the hate speaker was late? The stage was empty. He took the liberty to address everyone on the importance of love and unity against bigotry. And because of the hate speaker's comprehensive incompetence, he made 50 to 60 new friends. And then it got even better after he spoke. The hate speaker who showed up eventually uh, fear-mongered about American Muslim and liberal politics by showing a picture and claiming that they were evil. And so every time an American Muslim was shown, the crowd cheered in support of the politician and then laughed at the hate speaker. So then there was a QA. and a And during the Q&A, the hate speaker couldn't answer a single question from, it was a largely white Christian audience. And a Catholic priest and a bishop both beautifully stood in solidarity with American Muslims. As people were leaving, they were asking for Kwasim Rashid's card, signifying that this hate event was a total failure. Hate lost that night and love won. And that is the beauty of what America can be. So Kwasim Rashid is an American Muslim running for Virginia Senate, and he says he will not be intimidated by hate. He's running to uphold the Constitution, serve neighbors, restore fairness and justice in the Commonwealth and the country. So that's a great story for the week. I really appreciate that story. And that's our episode of Meanwhile on the Farm If you're still listening you a bad mama jamma, And I like you Listen, if you have a story You think you might want me to unpack Send it my way uh, Let me check it out If you have a story About some excellence That's showing up Pass that along as well Meanwhile on the Farm At gmail.com If you're not subscribed To Meanwhile on the Farm I would love for you to do that Right now Meanwhile on the Farm Is on seven platforms Including Apple Podcasts Anchor, Spotify And Google Podcasts And whatever platform On which you're listening right now can you do me a favor and share this episode with just one person also meanwhile on the farm has an instagram hop on over there and follow me meanwhile dot on dot the dot farm to see what's coming around the bend as well as stuff to keep you educated and keep you aware of what you can do while it seems the world is trying to drown you in a bucket of sweat that ain't yours. I'm a one-man show with researching and editing and recording and it takes a good amount of time. So if you feel inclined to become a monthly sponsor, it would make the second part of my year amazing, but absolutely no pressure. Either way, I'm in this for the long haul. Again, I'm Corey. and this was Meanwhile on the Farm. Thank you for listening. Whatever your narrative is, you tell it and don't let anyone put you in a box because maybe Just maybe, you're a starfish. And remember, if you're silent, it speaks volumes. Peace.